listening to New Layer, a design podcast with Tanner Christensen and Jasmine Friedel. Last time we talked about how to give feedback to those we work with. And mm-hmm. uh, we covered a lot of different things. We jumped a little bit all over the place, uh, but as, it was overall as good. As we do. And now I think we're just going to carry on that conversation in part two. So just to quickly recap everything we just covered uh, in the last episode, we talked about how sometimes giving feedback uh, really needs to be a timely matter, meaning don't you don't want to sit on things and let them fester because it can create mm-hmm. really bad relationships or perceptions of those you work with. We talked a little bit about how uh, we talked about radical candor, which is this notion that the best feedback is very straightforward, but more importantly that it's straightforward as long as you have an established relationship mm-hmm. with the person you're giving feedback to. We talked a little bit about how you can build those relationships and how you can establish norms for when and how you give people feedback. Right. What else did we cover? Do you remember? It's all a blur. It's all a blur. There's a lot covered there. But let's carry on that conversation now because there was a lot we weren't able to get to in the last episode that we think we need to cover now, right? Yeah, I think one of the things that actually um, I, I was thinking about and like, man, I just, I feel like I want to share this just because it's kind of like, it's a little bit of a catharsis. Um, but w- the topic is around, you know, how do you give feedback when you're, um, uh, how's the way to say this? Uh, it's kind of like underrepresented, but how do you give feedback when there's, when it's a bias driven piece? Mm. Um, and I'm thinking of, um, I gave, I gave this example kind of lightly earlier, but you know, many women get talked over in a room. Um, business worlds are, are pretty dominated by white males. Many, um, people of color aren't heard in the same way that, you know, people of our, our skin tone are. And so there's many times when there's sort of an, a, a, a disadvantage already when you're coming into the room and how do you deal with that? And so I'll give an, I'll give a personal example. Cause this was, this was on my, it was floating around and I was like, man, this is so relevant right now. Um, so when I was at Facebook, we did, um, critiques often with groups of different, different teams. And so I had a, like a once a month critique where I'd sit in with my team and then with, we'd add another team. And I think there were only two men in the room and the rest of us were women. And so there was maybe like six, six women or so. And I remember, um, someone had presented and I was giving feedback and I was talking and I got interrupted and somebody sort of stepped over me and I said, so they, they began talking and I said, wait, I'm not finished. And, um, this gentleman said, okay, Kanye. And it was a time when, have we talked about this before? It was a time when Kanye had interrupted Taylor Swift at the VMAs or whatever. And he actually had interrupted me, but then called me out for interrupting him. And I sort of like just walked away stunned because I wasn't quite sure what to do. And I was really unsettled by it. And I, I sort of didn't know what to do with it. And I, I wrote them both. There was two gentlemen involved and they sort of like backed each other up. And so I wrote them both notes. And so I, it was, it, I did a couple things that we talked about in the last conversation. I had to do my research. I had to understand why that infuriated me. I had to understand the reference that they were calling me. So I had to look up Kanye and Taylor Swift. Um, and I had to understand if this was important. I was, I was fuming. I was furious. And so I sent them both a note and I addressed it directly with them and they both apologized. It was fine. Um, and some of the women in the room 
then had gone to both of our bosses who were not in the room at the time. And I think they both came back to me and said, man, I'm really sorry this happened. And they also talked to the gentleman in the room. And that was like a, a great scenario. Like the guys were totally nice. Like they were friends of mine. They didn't intend to do anything um, that was hurting me, but they did. And they did it without noticing. And they did it in a way that all the other women noticed and sort of like started coming to me and saying, hey, this sucked. And so that's another scenario that I sort of want to call out because it's common. And it's only taken me, I mean, it's taken me about, it took me about five years to sort of recognize these situations when they come up and actually be able to step up and say something. And now I think I can step up and say something without, you know, getting furious about it or getting like nervous. But that's another time that we need to give feedback that might be riddled with things that don't feel like they're normal. Yeah, that that sounds extremely hard. Um, I, I honestly can't even imagine. But it sounds like you approached it in a very constructive, really helpful way. Uh, one of the things that you mentioned is that you, you you took time away from the conversation, aware away from the environment to kind of process. And I don't know if you wrote things down or how you did it, but it sounds like you, you took a really good approach to it. Do you re- recall like how you learned to take that approach to giving that feedback and like processing what had happened? Like, how did you learn how to do that? Do you know? I don't. I think, I think the thing that was important to me in this situation was that I didn't want this to happen to any of the other women in the room. I thought that we all deserved the same amount of respect and like on it, like it, it wasn't a big deal, but it was because it sets a pattern that all the women in the room can be interrupted, but the men can't. And so I knew that I needed to stand up for that. And that's the kind of like, I don't it's like the kind of righteous feedback that needs to be delivered that we can't walk away from. And part of what I had to do in that scenario was educate them on why that was wrong. And, and for me, it was easy. It was like, actually, Kanye inter- interrupted Taylor Swift and you interrupted me. So you are the Kanye. Like, I didn't say that, but I'm like, that's that's the kind of thing that you can do in those situations is like, hey, like, let me tell you why this is really important. And I think we do that all the time when we're giving feedback. It's like, you know, I'll give feedback to one of my team members and say like, hey, I've noticed this happening over and over again. And here's why this is really important. Like, I care about you. I want you to grow in your career. And right now you're not demonstrating a skill that I need you to have to help you get to the next level. You know, do you want to get to the next level? Can we work on this together then? Like, it's not just because I want to give you constructive feedback. It's because I I, I care about you and I believe in you. And so anytime I'm giving that this other sort of feedback, which is really sort of foundational important how do we start to to move towards equity in how we treat people um and another example that comes up is sometimes I'll get when we're interviewing people I'll get feedback that's like yeah they were a little bit late so I'm gonna ding them and I'm like cool that's not relevant like we're not actually measuring people and if they're late or not like trains arrive late like let's not say they're not going to be a good candidate for us so like I I often have to do this sort of thing that says like are we looking at the things we're supposed to be looking at are we creating the environments that we need to create and I so I started doing that as an IC and that's that's something that actually like if you can if you can not to you know you don't have to look for feedback that's not there but if you're able to address those harder situations it actually makes it a lot easier when you're like this isn't riddled with um, this sort of like bias and equity and things like that yeah 
And you're describing a situation where it worked out really well, right? They they were able to take the feedback. They apologized for the behavior. Uh, it sounds like they improved. Uh, that maybe now they're at least more aware of that. But oftentimes, when we give people feedback, or when even when we receive it, sometimes the instinct is to reject that feedback just outright. I'm just thinking of Twitter now. <laughs> Don't give anybody feedback on Twitter. That's Twitter useless. is just yeah, yeah. That's a well said. Design Twitter hashtag. Uh, don't at me. So this reminded me, this this notion of rejecting feedback reminded me of a time long ago when I was managing a team. I had a report who was doing some something, a behavior, which um, I won't share here, uh, at the cost of another teammate, meaning they were kind of making jokes uh, of this other person. And so I, I pulled this employee aside and I said, look, you can't do this. It's really bad for the culture. It's it's not great. Um, it, it hurts other people. Let's just not do this anymore. Okay. And his response was, it was just a joke. Uh, 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 okay, what did you do? I honestly don't remember. Uh, Terrible story. <laughs> I, I think I think I said, you know, at, at the time, I think my feedback was along the lines of, that's great. Like, we're trying to create this nice culture of having fun and joking around with each other. But when it's at the cost of someone else that you're working with and it hurts their feelings, it's not really the kind of joke we want to have here, right? Um it worked out in that case where he like eventually he, he, you know, he stopped doing this behavior. He did go one-on-one with that person, apologize. But like, just, I remember being kind of in shock when here was someone getting feedback that their behavior was hurting someone they were working with. And their response was like, it's a joke, man. This isn't uncommon though. Like it's a defense mechanism. You give somebody something that they're not ready to hear, that they don't want to hear, that they don't believe, and they're going to argue with you or they're going to state their perspective or they're going to say that you're wrong. We all do this. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that helps me sometimes when I have to give a tough feedback conversation is I'll, I'll like prepare for it. I'll rehearse it. Um, so if we are, if I'm going to have a one-on-one with you tomorrow, um, I might know that I need to deliver you something that might not land well. And so I'll take a notepad and I'll jot down my three key points. I might actually take it with me. Um, I'll rehearse what I'm going to say and how I'm going to say it so that I don't sort of stumble over my words or, or get to too wordy in what I want to say. It doesn't mean that I'm going to schedule, you know, script it from front to end. I'm just going to give myself the beginning steps. And that way I can say, Hey, Tanner, you know, when you made that joke about our friend the other day, that really, you know, I think it really hurt their feelings. And we're trying to create a culture where everybody feels included and feels safe. And we can't have things like that here. And then I might, you know, even though I've prepared that part, I might just give space to listen and to have the conversation because most feedback ends up, most hard feedback ends up being a conversation. Somebody needs to say, I don't agree. They need to say, I don't understand. They need to be able to respond. And as a a good feedback giver, you'll create some space for that. And you'll also go in and say like, Hey, I might be wrong. And I don't know if this is the right example, but maybe it was an inside joke and that was okay. I don't know. Like jokes in the workplace, probably not something you want to fuck around with, but there, there could be something that you don't know that you haven't seen. Um, this also reminds me of something we talked about in the last episode, which is that misalignment between people and some often the conversations we're having. So I mentioned the book, are we yelling? And in the book, he talks about, you know, uh, the three core things that we, we usually are prioritizing at any given moment, which are the head, the heart or the hands. And, I think in this example, it's the kind of thing where understanding both as the feedback giver or a receiver, it's important to, to align on 
where is this point coming from and why is this or why is this behavior happening? So something I like to do that I'm working on right now as a feedback receiver uh, that really helps this, I think, is even if you disagree or even if you don't disagree with the feedback, repeat it back to the person in your own words. Say, okay, what I heard was such and oh, such yeah, and such. Oh, yeah, that's so good. And what you'll often find, not always, but what you'll often find is that there might be a misalignment there. Your interpretation of the feedback may be actually not accurate, in which case the person might say, oh, no, 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 no. Actually, it's not about the jokes. It's about the the commu- the way you're telling them, mm-hmm. right? Or it's about um, the communication channel, things like that. Like So repeating back as someone who's receiving feedback, especially, but not only, especially if you disagree with what's being said, oh, you know, I am a good communicator. I don't need to hear this. Or, oh, I am a good collaborator. I, I know I'm a good collaborator. Instead of just re- responding in that kind of way, pause for a second and say, okay, what I heard was I'm not communicating effectively in these meetings because I'm always sitting in the corner. Is that right? Yeah. And then that's a chance to clarify. This is, I think this is a tactic I was reading about this. This is a tactic used like in couples therapy where, you know, if, if we're in a fight and I say something like, it makes me feel sad when you don't unload the dishwasher because I feel like I do more than you around the house then you would have to repeat back verbatim. It makes you feel sad when I don't unload the dishwasher because you feel like I don't do enough around the house. And so what you're doing is Tanner unloads the dishwasher all the time, by the way, not the thing, but what it does is it, it it does exactly what you're saying. Like it, it actually makes you focus on the words um, and really listen and create space to take in. But what it also does is it pauses you from responding Um, and really crafting your response because we all know how it is when somebody tells us something that we don't want to hear we're already thinking up our excuses we're thinking up our defenses we're thinking up our next sentence and we aren't really living in that moment where we really need to hear when we really need to listen and so that's a great way to be able to intake and then proactively have a conversation so next time somebody comes to you and says I've got some feedback for you you know sometimes what I'll do is I'll, I'll jot down the notes um, on a sticky so that like, as we go through it, I know my brain's going to play tricks with me and be like, gonna need to respond. And that way I can point back to this and say, Oh, you know, you said, I, I keep saying like talking over people. Cause that's just such a good example. But, you know, I feel like I did the work and then I was going to present and you jumped in and you took it. And, you know, I wanted to have to, sh- you know, present the work that I did or something like that. Yeah. So again, in the last episode, we talked about um, one of Facebook's mantra, which was uh, feedback is a gift. Mm -hmm. And I think this this helps underline that point. Really, all feedback can be viewed as kind of a gift of sorts, because there's always something to learn. Either you're going to learn that one of your behaviors is broken, you're going to learn that the way you're trying to learn something new is just not working, or you're going to learn that someone has a perception of you that may not be totally accurate. So it's helpful, again, to pause, like you said, Repeat the feedback uh, back to the person if you can in your interpretation. And that now creates space for a conversation. And that conversation can go one of many ways. Either it's going to go like, okay, help me understand what I could do, be doing better further, right? Mm-hmm. Let's go Let's go there. Or it could be, okay, let's talk a little bit more about the situation from my perspective. And either you know, there's something you don't know that you're doing or something that you, you just weren't aware of that the feedback is hopefully opening up to you. Or the person giving the feedback wasn't aware of, and now they can be exposed to this thing, right? So it's all about just creating this conversation that will either enrich you or the person giving you feedback, hopefully for the better. Now, 
what I mean by that is not, we're kind of talking about rejecting feedback in a sense, or uh, not defending yourself against it, but uh, just not agreeing with the feedback. I don't think anyone should ever approach feedback with the mentality of, let me tell you why that feedback was wrong. Like Mm -hmm. this should never be that. You should always take what, what feedback you're given in some regard. Cause you need to like, that's, it's being told of you and you're trying to build these relationships and this trust and improve yourself and the team. But there are opportunities to expand into a conversation. Okay. Well, I don't agree with that. Help me understand what I'm missing. That's a great way to open that conversation. Yeah. I'm thinking of another, um, this actually happens a lot maybe cause I'm well, never mind. I won't say that. Um, there's times where you'll give somebody feedback and there's something going on that you don't know about, maybe something emotional or something at home. Um, they're not in a good place. Um, and so they're not behaving well or they're not working as a great partner. And that's a really hard one. Like, you know, you give somebody feedback and they're like, I just broke up with my girlfriend. Like, I'm sorry, but I just can't like that. That was the reason or whatever. I think it's really, I've been in these situations a number of times and it's easy for me to be like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I can't give you feedback right now. Like, Ooh, bad time. But I think it's really important to stay on topic um, when you're giving that feedback. Now, if somebody's going through a divorce or something like that, or found out, you know, somebody's in their family has cancer, like, yeah, be compassionate, like for sure. Um, But there's also something that's like, you know, Hey, how do you still get the feedback through and then care about the person? Like, I think it's still okay to say, you know, Hey, that, you know, you yelled at me the other day. That still wasn't okay. Despite the situation. Um, you know, I, I still want you to hear this. Let's talk about, you know, how I can care about you. And if, if, if we can set you up for anything that will help you not yell anymore. Like, I don't know. There's, there's something there where I've seen a really fine line between like excuses Um, and the examples I gave are definitely not excuses, but, um, we have to get folks in a place when those sorts of excuses are maybe lighter than the examples I gave to still be in a place where we can take feedback. That feels like a sticky topic. And I don't know that I covered that well. Yeah, it's hard. It really is hard. Um, I have a stance on this, which I don't. I imagine many people actually don't share, but my stance is that a place of business is a business. Now you need to, you don't need to, but it's very helpful to build healthy relationships with those you work with, get to know them, go do barbecues and activities and whatever, really kind of try to build those relationships in a very healthy way. I think that's crucial, especially since, uh, as you get later in your career, these are the people you're going to spend most of your life with, right? Most of your, your time with, but at the same time, if someone is having a hard time and they're taking it out in the workplace and they're not receptive to feedback, that might be an indicator that that's an area they need to grow in and improve in. Yeah. And I guess I'm not thinking necessarily of outbursts and things, although those happen, but it's like some people's performance tends to slip when stuff is going on. And that's, that's fine. Like that happens. It happens to all of us at some point or another. It doesn't mean that, you're still not held accountable for your job. Um, and I, I want to say that like with kindness and compassion, like we've, uh, we've done things in the past, like, you know, have, you know, when people have stuff at home going on, like we can have an adjusted working schedule. Um, but there's, there's certain, you know, it, it, it's, if, if you've got stuff going on and you need to 
I guess now I'm thinking of you as the receiver. It's like if you can let those scenarios out before this stuff happens, that's really helpful. I feel like this is like less useful to dive in. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I took us off on no, a ta- tangent, but I was like, man, it's, I think it's because I'm, because I'm a leader. I see more of this where people start to confide. Um, and it, that's fine. Like it's a totally safe space, but I, I see a lot more, um, behaviors. And, and this goes back to, I, I had wanted to talk about junior designers too. Like this does go back a lot to juniors. Like I've had more junior designers, like sort of freak out, um, get, belligerent or cry or have more like sort of an emotional range of of responses to feedback and I think it is because you know depends on how how like actually age young people are but a lot of times if you get somebody who's like in their early 20s like their cognitive skills might not have been developed yet their experience in the workplace isn't always there Um, and so sometimes you'll see more ranges of how to receive feedback and more excuses and more of the defenses and, and things like that that start to come out. I was going to say a big part of that might be imposter syndrome. Oh, yeah. Especially you see this a lot. So first of all, I've I've had a lot of um, junior designers I've worked with who have been phenomenal about feedback. They actively seek it out and any chance they get when it's positive, they embrace that. They celebrate when it's negative. They jump on it. They try to improve and learn and grow and expand and better understand where that feedback came from and what to do with it. I've also worked with a lot of junior designers who just can't take any feedback at all. Even the positive feedback, they kind of reject. Um, And I think part of that is because depending on the designer, they have just come to this workplace and they're trying to kind of prove out their value. And part of them might be second guessing themselves. And so if they get feedback, hey, you know, we really need to see more designs from you and a critique because it's going to help you grow. It's going to help expose the team to the work you're doing, et cetera. They'll just kind of look at that like, no, I'm sharing plenty you're the one that's flawed here. I don't need to share more. (laughs) And really inside their head, they might be thinking like, am I not sharing enough? Am I, I'm not cut out for this job. Like, what do I do? It's now this like existential crisis. When some of this comes from, I think looking for a win, it's like when you, when you've gotten your first job, you've likely gone through a lot of rejection. You've tried a lot of things that haven't worked. And then just to get a role and then to get feedback, you're like, Oh, like really? Like we've talked about this a lot. Like, your first job, you, you may feel like you have arrived, but you've really just begun. And so having that growth mindset is really, really important. I didn't start to get my growth mindset until I was in my 30s. Like it took me a while to actually realize that I could still grow in my personal um, my personal development and my career. And so having that, like, I don't know, I get so many juniors who are a little bit arrogant and they're like, think they're the shit because they were at the top of their class. And then get into like, would get into a place like Facebook and I'd just be like, oh, you have so much to learn. You have so much to learn. And then on the other hand, there's a lot of folks who are dealing with imposter syndrome and many of them happen to be women. Um, I'm in a, a group called Hexagon UX, um, which is a women's UX group. And we have, there's a Slack group that goes on and a lot of, you know, you just see people all over, all these ladies trying to get advice and trying to help understand how to navigate their careers. And it's so frustrating for many of them like so frustrating to try and get their foot in the door for interviews and to try and get their first job and then all of a sudden they get their first job and they're dealing with a manager who you know doesn't get them or the expectations are too high um or the pay is too low and it's all these things that it's like you just thought it was going to be a little bit easier and it's not and so then when somebody has to deliver you something that's hard 
it can be, it can be destructive. It can be, it can feel like your world falls apart. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it, it can be really hard. I mean, even now in my career, I've been doing this for way too long. I'm much older than people tend to think. It's still hard it's time for, to retire, isn't it? Just about. Yeah. It's, it's still hard for me to get really critical feedback, you know? Um, I think it's just something we all kind of face and there's a lot you can do as a receiver. But what I want to focus more on is someone giving feedback to someone who's in that situation. Either they feel like an imposter or they have this really big ego. They're new to the job or they're, they've been there for like less than two years. What is the best way to give them feedback? So we talked about this in the last episode. There's a great framework you use to give feedback. Do you want to? The SBI. Yeah. So again, what is that? It's a situation behavior impact so talking about in this situation you did this behavior and therefore it had that impact yeah i think that's a a great first starting place for any feedback uh, but especially for the more junior folk because what it really does is it grounds the feedback in reality it says here's this thing that you were part of that we're all cognizant of here is what happened as we observed it and the impact of that is as you can see negative now that doesn't mean that someone's going to just, oh, great, I'm going to accept that feedback. No, they're still probably going to reject it or have a hard time with it. What else could you think mm. we could do to help them understand that feedback? So one thing, one thing that we keep talking about that I just want to, again, reiterate is building a relationship with them. You mentioned in the last episode, finding ways to compliment them. Uh, not Sorry, not compliment them, but give positive feedback throughout the year, throughout these projects. Just trying to build that relationship, giving feedback. That's helpful for you as someone who's trying to give feedback. It's also helpful for them so they know that when you do give constructive feedback, mm-hmm. it's coming from a very positive kind of place. Is there more, you think? Um, so I'm thinking back to a teammate that I had at Facebook. Um, and I had a real, she had a really hard time receiving feedback. And so I had to adapt how I gave feedback. And one of the first things I tried, this was not a success story, unfortunately, but um, I was conscious that it was hard for her and I was conscious that she disagreed and got defensive. So one of the things I I started to do was just collect more evidence. Um, And when I think of evidence, like more examples of things. So um, that way I could be more concrete in it, and it didn't just feel sort of hand wavy that I, it was a feeling that I had. There was actually, no, there was actually something going on here. Um, something else I did, you know, sometimes you'll have people and especially as a a manager or a leader, you'll have people who just don't agree with your evaluation and won't and don't agree with your feedback and won't. And that is hard because you have to fundamentally align them on what expectations are or what, you know, the values that we have are. And so then I tend to go back to like resources and go through them one at a time. And I've done this with many folks go through, actually I do this in general with most of my employees just to make sure we're aligned before problems start. But, um, going through things like job rubrics and say, okay, you know, we value defining a problem at your level at this. What do you think that means? And have them talk to me and then I'll tell them how I interpret it. Um, and then we come to an alignment on what that is. Sometimes we'll need to share examples of what that looks like and what it doesn't look like. Um, and if you can get that alignment, then you can usually build back up to the feedback and see whether that thing that happened or that, you know, output sort of matched with that or didn't. Um, but the, the, the best way, so giving evidence and aligning on whatever the criteria are, those are very objective things. 
Um, well, they're about as objective as you can get. There's always some subjectivity and interpretation, but it's not just sort of like, I felt like maybe you did this thing. So that's something that's usually helpful, especially for junior designers who haven't, um, necessarily had all the experience. I love that. What really stands out to me for that is that alignment. It's, it's looking at the resources you have available to you, whether it's principles or company values, role responsibilities, you should have those outlined uh, and just kind of aligning those. And I don't think you need to be in a place of management in order to utilize that. I think you can be anyone um, and just kind of trying to approach the feedback in, a, in regards of like, let's get aligned on this and see where the misalignment is. Mm-hmm. I want to quickly call out something that I think I've seen people do in this instance that I would recommend they do not do. Okay. And that is if you're someone who wants to give feedback to someone and you know that this person is going to reject it, or maybe they already have, you should not go try to find allies and gang up against this person. Oh, don't do that. This is really negative and bad. And more often than not, it results in uh, the complete opposite of the intended effect. If you're Good. Yeah. And don't go and talk to other people about this feedback that you need to deliver before you deliver it. Just go deliver it. Like unless one, one different scenario is if you need to go to your manager and ha- and have someone help you frame it. Um, but with the intent of going to the person who needs to get the feedback, don't go behind people's back. Like don't vent about it. Just go sit with it, go deliver it. Yeah. And don't gang up. Um, I think that that really creates just a t- more toxic culture. People will find themselves now like, oh, this so-and-so is the kind of person who will do this. Uh, and it's not helpful. It, more than and then anyth- people will have to give you feedback on turning everybody against them. So really the, the problem, just so we're clear, the problem with approaching feedback in, a tor- in, the, in the notion of like rallying people to your opinion is that then the feedback becomes less about what's true and more about who's right. Yeah. And that's not the goal of feedback or should never be the goal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we, we actually, I mean, we talked about timeliness at the beginning of last episode, but, um, nipping something in the bud before it gets to be a thing. And if you're feeling like you need to go and get allies, like that's just a sign that like you might need, you might need to, to sort of figure out, like if you're getting allies, is it because you want to stick it to the other person? Or is it because you really need to think through like something was unsettled? I was unsettled by something and I need to figure out whether this is feedback to give. I actually did this on Friday with um, my peer in engineering. I had some, I had observed a situation. I wasn't super comfortable with it. I didn't know what to do. And I, you know, I just needed five minutes. We talked through it and there was an action I needed to take, take from it. And sometimes that like sort of gut check is helpful, but I also, he is my peer um, I sort of laid a, this is an inconfidence first and I need to talk through this, um, next. And therefore he could also hold me accountable to taking action on that. That's a healthy way to go to somebody else, but I would never go to him and say, Ooh, this person did this. Has, have they ever done this to you too? Like I'm collecting feedback. So I have evidence to take to them. That's not, that's not the way to do it. It reminds me of a situation I encountered not that long ago where someone I don't know emailed me and said, we've got this decision to make on our team and the way the leadership team is going about it, with about it, I don't agree with. So I'd like to know your opinion so I can take your opinion back to my leadership team and say, this is what, you know, this random it's guy on the internet says. not biased at all. <laughs> and my response to that was like, 
no, like my opinion actually doesn't matter at all here. For one thing, I don't know the context. I don't know what, I'm just hearing your side of the story. Like I don't know anything about your business or your work, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I told this person instead, like it sounds like what you need to do is go figure out why they're coming with this perspective. Don't come to me. Don't go try to prove your case. Instead, do the complete opposite. Try to actually maybe prove yourself wrong and see what you can uncover. And you might find that either you are wrong or you'll have a better framework to understand how to provide the feedback and uh, kind of take things the other direction. Mm -hmm. So quickly, I want to change um, course just a little bit because something you said, I can't remember if it was last episode or this episode now, but you said something that I really think is important. And it was about how you will take feedback uh, personally. And it was that you write down notes when, mm-hmm. when you get this feedback. I think this is fantastic. Not only do you write notes when you get feedback, but it sounds like often. So you're not saying that I take, I thought you, I thought you were saying that I take feedback personally. Like I get, you mean like how I, how I actually how, like how receive you, it. Right. How, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't usually take it personally. No, how I, how I intake it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And you also mentioned that if, if the feedback's really hard, then you'll also kind of do notes beforehand. So there's something here that I, I think is really, really neat and important. I remember, um, again, back at Facebook when I was helping manage a team, um, one of my my teammates had this issue where they weren't getting along with another peer. Mm-hmm. And anytime they were face-to-face, they found themselves kind of frozen or they, they didn't they couldn't give the feedback once the person was actually face to face with them like they just couldn't do it they were too intimidated or something so what i told them was go before you meet sit down and write down everything you want to say just do a simple bolded list you don't need to write paragraphs you don't need to write a book do a bolded list of all the points you want to say and then print that out and take it with you to that meeting and so this person did that and they came back later and like that was phenomenal that's exactly what i needed to do mm. i didn't in fact, I communicate with a person, you know, hey, sometimes when I give you feedback, it's really hard for me. So I'm just going to read off my list. And that worked really great for them. They were able to resolve it. So I think this is important for both uh, someone giving feedback and receiving fe- feedback. It can be very helpful because what it does is it takes these, what, what I describe as often like ambiguous, um, just strange, intangible things in our, our brains, which are our ideas, and it makes them tangible. It makes mm-hmm. them something that you can see and manipulate and they won't be smudged. They won't be erased by time. They won't be, you know, they're there. They're concrete. And so I think that's really important as someone who, again, is giving feedback or receiving feedback. If you can utilize writing, that will actually help you make a lot yeah, of sense. Yeah, and for me, like, I, I've done this before. And for me, what it does is I can actually then step back and look at it and say, is this really the problem? And I can do some sort of, like, problem definition to make sure that what's going to come out is actually accurate. Um, I think that's really great. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's something I don't do enough of. So I I just want to say on this podcast, on the record, I'm going to try to improve on that. Yeah, that's good. I think, I mean, giving and receiving feedback is hard when you get started. The more you do it, the easier it gets it like anything else. Like it can be considered a skill. Like the more you practice, the better you'll get at it, the less intimidating it'll be giving or receiving. Um, And once you start to have some wins where you gave somebody some feedback and they're like, yeah, that was really useful. You're like, oh, I want to give more feedback. Or somebody gives you feedback and you're like, man, that is spot on. Like I can improve my work or I can improve my communication. And you start to see yourself benefiting from either way. Then you can, then you sort of grow more confidence in it. There's one other thing that we haven't talked about that I wanted to mention. Um, And it sort of goes back to this, like, you know, ganging up on people or like if you have to go to somebody and talk about it. 
if you are ever in a situation, like let's say you don't have any feedback to give or receive, if somebody ever comes to you and says, I'm having a hard time with so-and-so, your job is really to encourage them to go back to that person. Even as a manager, like there's times where, you know, maybe it's two employees of mine and I could get in and I could go in and fix it. I also need to help them work on those feedback giving and feedback receiving skills. So my first question is always, you know, hey, have you talked to so-and-so about this? And if they say no, I say, do you feel comfortable talking to them about this? If they say yes, we're good. If they say no, I say, can I help you frame what you want to say? And so even if you're not in the middle of a feedback situation, you can actually help grow your feedback skills by helping other people give each other feedback. And it's not stepping in and being like, yeah, you're right. Like that was really awful. It's just asking some open-ended questions to help people understand what, you know, Hey, what was the problem? Do you know how to say that? Um, it sounds like the problem that you had is this. I'm not, when I, when I say things like that, like I'm not injecting any sort of like, I side with you, I side with them. I'm just like, Hey, here's what I'm observing. Here's what I'm hearing. And so I think that's really, really important. There are times when you need to have a hosted feedback conversation. I had a PM at Facebook that I worked with that was very, very junior, very, very arrogant. And we did not work together well at all. And it got to the point where we actually needed to have an HR facilitated conversation because I could not work with this guy. Um, And so that was something where he and I were both so fed up with each other that we both agreed that HR needed to come in and have a conversation with us. And that's okay. Like there are times where it is unresolvable and maybe you've tried to have those conversations and it didn't work. That's like an escalation path. It shouldn't necessarily be the norm because going back to that radical candor piece, like what we're trying to do is build trust in order to be able to give each other feedback. And we haven't talked about the critique kind of feedback, the work kind of feedback. That can be just as hard to give. This That can be just as hard to receive, probably harder to receive. But this is a skill that you're building up so that you can have conversations about just about anything in the workplace and make yourself, make your team better. Really well said. I don't think that it really needs to be said but I will say it anyway. Do it. When you're part of a team, you're working with other people. Yes. And too often we forget that being on a team, being part of a company means working with other people. It, you can't really get by by not getting along, by not giving feedback, by not collaborating. Like that's not how things get done. It's certainly not how you grow. And it's certainly not how the team or the product grows. So a core part of that experience is learning how to give and receive feedback. It's something we all need to do. And like you just said, Jasmine, the more we do it, the better you'll get at it. Now, of course, it's going to be hard, but you really, it's the kind of thing you need to do. So again, kind of uh, going back to a point you made one second ago, it sometimes feels really good to complain about people or to kind of spread some drama and like, you're, you're smiling. Complaining in general feels good. Yeah. Like it's, it doesn't though over time. It it feels productive. It feels like you're doing something, but reality is you're just, you're venting and you're actually, you might be making things worse for your team. So while we all are kind of driven to do that, it's much better to figure out how you can go be proactive and give productive, constructive, helpful feedback to those you're working with. And likewise, seek it out whenever and wherever you can. It doesn't mean you always get it. You certainly won't get it on the spot. But let people know you're open to that feedback. Let them know that you want to grow and you improve. Tell them explicitly how you're hoping to grow and what kind of feedback you want. Mm-hmm. And you'll find that not only do you thrive and you really become a better version of yourself, the entire team will grow too. Love it. 
All right. Well, that ends uh, that ends part two. Perfect. All right. Until next time. Bye. Thank you.